Hello, and welcome to Real Nutrition Talk. My name is Olivia Russell, and I am the owner of a nutrition education business named Intuitive Dieta. And my name is Regan Alexander. I have my master's in nutrition, as well as my personal trainer certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. In this podcast, we are going to dive deep into health, wellness, and nutrition, debunking diet myths as we go. In our current age of information, it's nearly impossible to find useful nutrition advice, and it's really exhausting listening to all the contradictions that exist. That's why we're here. Follow along as each week we sit down to discuss a different topic in order to determine if it is diet trash or treasure. We're so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Nutrition Talk podcast. This is Olivia. And this is Reagan. We're super excited. Today is a topic that I particularly am obsessed with. If you didn't already see it, the title, it's about intuitive eating. So you already know I'm about to go hard on this topic. But <laughs> before we start, I have just kind of like a little question to get us started. So, Reagan. Was there ever a diet that made you question dieting? Oh, goodness. Goodness. This is, this is good. I was thinking about it. Two stick out in my mind. Okay. <laughs> One, okay. So when I first went vegan, that was when a lot of the vegan YouTubers at the time were like fruititarians or whatever it is, basically, or Rotel 4 or whatever. And so I never actually did that. I think I tried for like two days and I'm like, A, I'm cold all the time. B, I'm bloated as heck because that's a ton of fiber. (laughs) And C, I'm like, I just can't be preparing produce at this quantity. I don't have the time. And it's just not fun to eat cold food all the time, in my opinion, in the winter in North Dakota. So I don't know what my brain was thinking. So, but then also I went through a phase of, There's a lot of vegans, I feel like, who do like the high carb, low fat craze. Mm -hmm. So I got into that for a while. And I think the biggest thing was like, I don't think it's normal for me to eat. The amount of food I was eating was insane. Like, how can I eat like this many potatoes? Like, I kid you not, pounds and pounds of potatoes and still not feel full. Um, Like, it's like you're full physically, but not mentally. Right. Um, So I think that just both of those combined, I was like, okay. I don't think there's one set diet. I think it's just all about balance. So those are the two that really stick out to me. Ooh, the fruititarian one always gets me going because you can't do it unless you live somewhere tropical, right? So true. Because they're all eating like all these like papayas and dragon fruit and all this stuff. And I'm over here like, well, I have Walmart in North Dakota. I could have apples, maybe pineapple, like... (laughs) Yeah, and like fruit isn't accessible to people like that. So that always kills me. And they always live somewhere tropical. Like any person, I follow a couple just, you know, to keep tabs on that area. <laughs> me? I, yeah, fruit, I, call, I follow a couple of fruitarians just so I can like see what they're, what they're doing. Usually I'm like, first of all, no one's going to buy 15 pounds of papayas at the grocery store because nobody has access to that no unless you live somewhere tropical mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they'll eat these like super weird fruits that again not accessible to anyone right. unless you're right. in like Florida <laughs> but I, I've never heard the opinion about being cold and that is a really good point 
because fruit has a lot of uh, moisture in it. And it's great when you're somewhere hot and you need like extra hydration. Mm-hmm. But when you're somewhere cold, you need fat and you need carbs. Exactly. To feel warm. Right. <laughs> and the satisfaction factor. Like you said, you were eating pounds of potatoes, but yeah, without fat, we're not satisfied. Right. Do you have a do you have a diet? <sighs> I was also trying to think of this. This is why I was struggling with this question because it's hard. I feel like every diet I attempted, I was like not sold on, but I mm-hmm. attempted it. I feel like keto was kind of the last straw. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you did keto. I tried keto for, I probably only did it legitimately for about a week. Mm-hmm. But I was like, who can actually calculate the amount of carbs that are in things like that right. all the time? And it just made me realize the obsession you can get with thinking about your macros. And I, I'm ADHD. I don't have the concentration to pay attention to every little thing that I'm putting in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And your girl likes potatoes. Your girl likes bread. <laughs> yes. And side note, guys, there is a difference between the keto, like eating the keto diet and just eating a high fat diet. Like to actually do keto is super hard. And usually you need to be working with some sort of nutrition or medical professional because, yeah. Well, I'm just going to let that segue into intuitive eating. <laughs> I, d- I kind of told my story in our intro episode, so I'm not going to go super deep into how I got into intuitive eating because you can go back and listen through it. But I'll do kind of the shortened version. Basically, I was in my master's program and one of my professors brought up intuitive eating and I was like huh interesting let's go into it I did some more research I checked it out and I was like something in me was like this actually seems like legit it matched how I live the rest of my life I'm a I'm very I try to do everything really intuitively I I've like make a lot of my decisions with my intuition Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are like snap decisions and that just works best for me so this type of eating (laughs) made sense for me yeah Reagan how did you discover intuitive eating I feel like we kind of touched on it but we did I feel like I actually can't think of when I first like learned about intuitive eating and Honestly, it's probably YouTube. I watched so much YouTube in college because like I didn't want to pay for Netflix or Hulu or anything. So that was like my entertainment. But I just feel like there was some influencer. Actually, I know who it was. It was um I can't Natasha Ocean. I don't know how to say her last name, but I really like her. She's a huge proponent of intuitive eating and intuitive movement. She does a lot of functional movement. Like she had her whole PhD on movement and nutrition and everything. So she's very knowledgeable. One of the few people I'll actually buy fitness programs from because I know she's actually educated. But I think it was first from her that I heard about it. I don't know. I think I've always incorporated intuitive eating into my eating style. Like there are very few times where I actually tried to count calories strictly that just is very stressful to me. And so I think I've always had a very intuitive approach to eating, but didn't really lean harder into it until going through the program. 
and taking the intuitive eating elective um, and realizing how much more diet culture I still like had in my mind, you know, but it's not, it's not something that I ever remember being like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of this before, which is weird. So yeah, I feel like when you think about it, intuitive eating is pretty normal, natural. Like we all, the, one of my favorite things that the, the people who kind of started the intuitive eating movement, one of my favorite things they say is it's relearning intuitive eating because I think all of us start off as intuitive eaters. Like as a kid, you don't really like think about all of that stuff. You kind of just eat what sounds good and you eat when you're hungry. And that's just like normalized. We don't learn all those other rules and regulations until we get older and people impose those rules and regulations on us. And then it kind of turns into diet culture, right? Exactly. So that segues great into <laughs> who who came up with this concept? Who designed intuitive eating? And the two people are Evelyn Tribal and Elise Reich. And they released their first book in 1995. I believe it was just called Intuitive Eating. Yeah. And they're both registered dietitians. And they both just felt like there was so much diet. Co- I mean, think of the 90s. The 90s were insane, especially with anti-fat. Yes. So they released this book. And when they first released it, it was not like as popular as I think it's becoming now. But it started this whole scientific movement of people researching intuitive eating. And so now there's like hundreds, potentially even thousands of studies on intuitive eating and different aspects of it and why it works so well. And I mean, logically it makes sense why it why it works, right? right. <laughs> You're just it's, listening to yourself. <laughs> it's funny how we have to, in my mind, give normal eating a name because normal eating isn't a common thing for most people. Right. It's kind of it's kind of a great example of how messed up our eating culture is, especially I feel like in the US, we have so many counteractive comments like eat healthy, don't be fat, but also enjoy yourself. <laughs> like, you deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> treat yeah. yourself. Yes. <laughs> and so it's really confusing. But I think the biggest misconception about intuitive eating is that you're only eating based off of your instincts and you're ignoring everything else. But the reality is intuitive eating has a lot of rational thought behind it. Because let's be honest, everyone knows what quote unquote healthy is right everyone knows eat fruits and vegetables eat whole foods like at this point we've all been preached to about what healthy eating is and that's not what intuitive eating is it's not preaching quote-unquote healthy it's teaching you to like listen to your body which we really don't do in the u.s very well we are all about external validation external cues external information making decisions for us when our bodies are really freaking cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, they tell us what we need. And so and that's why intuitive eating is so big for me. I think especially because I have a history of dieting and eating disorders. It's like relearning to listen. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's, it's as Olivia is going to get into, it's a lot more on just, oh, what do I want to eat? Like it's more than that, which I think it gets unfortunately hijacked by diet culture as another diet, <laughs> but it's not. Right. So. 
Intuitive eating is not a diet. Yes. That's a good point to make. Thank you for mentioning that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Intuitive eating isn't a diet. It's a, it's living. It's mm -hmm. like relearning how to just like live and take a lot of that mental load from food off your plate. Yes. Yeah, if you're a chronic dieter, think about the mental load of food. Like you're constantly thinking, I should eat this. I should eat that. I shouldn't eat that. I can't eat that. I'm going to be a bad person if I eat this. Or or even just the verbiage we use around words. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so naughty for eating this candy today. So uh, intuitive eating has 10 principles. They call it 10 principles. I like to think of them as guidelines. I always joke. You know, the first Pirates of the Caribbean, they have the Pirates Code. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they always say, well, it's more like guidelines. It's not really like a firm code that you have to follow. Right. And I think that's a perfect example of these principles. They don't have to be done in order. They don't have to be done if you don't want to do them. They're just ways to kind of cultivate attunement into listening to your body and um, something that Evelyn and Elise call interoceptive awareness, which is basically just having the ability to listen and tune into your body. And then um, some of these principles are also just removing obstacles from attunement because there's so much information that we're getting all the time and so much subconscious subliminal <laughs> messaging, <laughs> subliminal messaging from diet culture that is in every aspect of our lives. It's in TV shows, it's in books, it's in commercials, it's in advertisement, it's in everything. So it's learning to notice when what those things are that are kind of like pressuring you to make decisions that are not based off of your personal health. So we're going to get into those. I'm going to try and keep it as a short as I can. 10 principles is a lot. Let's do it. <laughs> but let's go for it. Again, they don't have to be done in order at all, except for, I would say, gentle nutrition. Mm -hmm. I really feel like you have to understand the first nine yes. before you get into nutrition or else that's where the danger of turning intuitive eating into a diet comes around. Mm -hmm. And it get, and it can get a little orthorexic. Orthorexic, mm -hmm. orthorexic just means it's a type of eating disorder where you're overly focused on healthy eating to the point where you're once again making rules and regulations that are not based in your body. They're based off of external cues. I think so. that's exactly what learning about intuitive eating in our master's helped me do is I incorporated intuitive eating, but I think I really struggled with separating gentle nutrition from diet culture, like prescriptive orthorexic, like you said, tendencies. Um, and I think that's what I really worked through during the master's portion. So it really is kind of the last thing to fall into place, but it definitely is. Let's just get started. So I'm just going to go in the order that Elise and Evelyn have in their book, just to make it easier. I also do like the order. I didn't do them in order by any means, just because it wasn't right for me and it didn't work for me in my mental space. But if you do follow them in order, they do make sense. So mm -hmm. starting there. So the very first one is reject the diet mentality. And the whole point of this is just to remind you that you are in charge of your own body and nobody has the right to tell you how to do anything in your own body. However, that's not really the reality of today, right? Yep. <laughs> we, 
have a lot of external things. Even my my 12-year-old sister is already throwing diet culture at me whenever we talk. She loves to talk to me about food. She always jokes. She's like, you're supposed to be the healthy one. And I'm like, well, healthy also means that I can eat whatever I want when I want because that's mentally healthy for me. (laughs) Very true. But diet mentality just degrades your trust in your body. You stop listening to everything. Hunger is one of the biggest ones, especially for us women. I feel like we're a lot of times we're taught like, oh, if you're hungry, maybe just drink water. Or if you're hungry, eat foods that'll, they're empty calorie foods like rice cakes. I hate rice cakes. Okay. You can't get me to eat a rice cake. No, no hate on people who like rice cakes. Okay. But like, (laughs) <laughs> Reagan raises her hand. She's like, I'm one of those people. Okay, but side note, side note. If you <laughs> do the trend where you put peanut butter on it, dip it in chocolate, and let the chocolate harden, that's a pretty bomb-ass little snack. That's Ooh, all I got to say. I've never tried that. Maybe I'll give, it a, I'll give it a try. I'm always willing to try something. <laughs> I just – rice cakes in my head are like those filler foods. Yeah. And I just – And to be fair, when you've used a food as a filler food, it it kind of triggers you like you don't want to eat it anymore exactly totally and when you're healing from dieting those trigger foods might be something that you're just like nah i'm not (laughs) that's me with rice cakes (laughs) (laughs) so that's basically what the first one is there's obviously so much more i can go into it um i do courses on this so if you're ever interested to go deeper check them Mm -hmm. out but i was gonna say i think that it's important to point out that I don't think you'll ever stop getting bombarded by diet culture, rejecting mm-hmm. the diet mentality. It's something that we both still do. It just gets easier. Like I see because of the algorithm on Instagram, I see people who are weightlifters like I am saying like, oh, tr- I'm trying this macro spit and I'm doing this cut and I'm getting these results. And it's, it's very tempting sometimes to be like, oh, I'm just going to fall back into um, like super obsessive and rigid macro counting and just eating, you know, like tofu, rice and, you know, green beans. But it's easier for me to remind myself of why I don't want to do that than it is to convince myself to do it, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. It's like an ongoing process. I think this is why I I really struggled with this one at first and I kind of just ignored it for a while. Mm-hmm. But you can see why that's a good first one to try and practice. Yes. Because you can't do anything else if you've got all of these diet things in the back of your head being like, oh, carbs are bad or oh, I can't have fat or, you know, all the anything you can think of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So that's reject the diet mentality. The second one is honor your hunger. This is the one where you really start learning the interoceptive awareness or just learning to listen to your body. Honoring your hunger is, I think, probably one of the most challenging solely because of all of those rules and regulations that we've been told our whole life. And it's just learning to like actually honor your hunger. And so if you're hungry, you should eat. <laughs> yeah. No matter what, if you're hungry, you do, you don't have to pathologize hunger. And I don't know. I think as women, especially, we really like to pathologize hunger. Like, oh, I'm feeling hormonal. And so that's why I'm hungry. Yeah, it is. But you should probably also eat because yeah. hormones are going crazy and your hormones are telling you, you probably need food. But this is not to say if you have a condition. So 
this is another thing I had to learn with PCOS because it does affect your hunger hormones. And if you've restricted a lot in your life and you've put your body into starvation mode a lot, your hunger cues might not function the same as someone who maybe has been eating intuitively more so in their life. And so, again, this one can be challenging because if you're not used to listening to your hunger or your hunger hormones are out of whack, it can be challenging to listen to your hunger. But this one's really just about listening to your body. This one's bringing back that in attunement. So when you're hungry, actually like sitting down and being like, okay, am I super duper hungry? Am I a little hungry? Am I craving something? And trying not to pathologize it, but just noticing when it comes up and what kind of hunger you're feeling. Because there's a bunch of different ways to feel hunger. And some of them aren't like a rumbly tummy, right? Sometimes yeah. it's not like your stomach grumbling. Sometimes it's like, I have a headache. <laughs> Why do I have a headache? Oh, all I've had today is coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or like, I, I noticed for me getting really, really tired and having no motivation, that is a hunger cue for me that I didn't notice for a really long time was like, when I'm really tired and all of a sudden talking is hard and I think about it, I'm like, oh, I didn't feed myself today. That's <laughs> probably not good. Yes. Hanger is a real thing. Yes. Yes. Hanger yeah. and anxiety, getting yes. really, really bad anxiety. That's, I, I feel like I've noticed that a lot in people when they're starting to get really, really anxious. I actually get kind of bloated if I haven't mm. eaten enough food, which I think is a good one to point out because some people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so bloated. I've eaten too much. I get bloated if I don't eat enough. Yes. Oh, that was such a good one. Yes, Reagan. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that up because a lot of people don't believe me when I tell them oh, that. Yeah. They're like, I can't be hungry if I'm bloated, but that is an absolute mm -hmm. trigger. So bloating, that's an, oh, such a good yeah. one. Yeah. There's just like a bunch of random things that our body does that are like, hey, right. <laughs> we need sustenance. What you doing? <laughs> and I think all these little tangents we're going off on, if there's certain principles that you guys want to learn more in depth about, it would be so easy to do a whole episode on a principle. So, yes, let us know. Comment Definitely. below. Tag us at Instagram. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, well, we'll hop off that one. Next is make peace with food. And this one's really about just removing morality from food. A lot of people like to add words like bad, naughty, or good and healthy or unhealthy and adding like a morality to food, like I'm a bad person if I eat this, or I'm a good person if I eat this. It goes both ways. Everybody has got that one person in their life that's like a health guru, that's like constantly making sure everyone knows that everything they're eating is healthy, right? Yes. Or clean. <laughs> or clean, clean yeah. eating. <laughs> I only eat salads for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is really just like, there's no good or bad food. This might be really hard for some people, but there really isn't. Like there's there's foods that maybe if you overconsume, you're not going to feel great or your body might not appreciate to have all the time, but it's not you're not bad for eating a cookie. <laughs> yeah. And you're not good for eating a salad either. 
Yes. It's both. It's just removing that morality from food and being like food is food. All foods have some sort of sustenance to it. Even candy. Everything you eat is going to be broken down by your body and used as best as your body can use it. Yeah. I think this is a good principle to incorporate if you have kids because the way you talk about food really affects how your kids are going to grow up viewing food. I've nannied for like 12 years, so I've seen the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking I'm thinking of one family that I've nannied for for 6 years. I'm actually going to go see him next week and I'm so excited. But his he's he is like the definition of intuitive eater and it's it's the most amazing thing like last time I went to visit him in September and we went to this farmer's market and he was super excited because there's this bakery that sells these amazing homemade cookies and they have like frosting like a couple inches thick they're amazing it's Mm -hmm. the highlight of his day he gets it he'll eat like two or three bites and then he'll say mom can you save the rest of this for later like my tummy's done and like and then you think of other kids who maybe aren't offered sugar or dessert as like a special thing that they never get or demonized in their house, they're going to eat that whole cookie, whether they're hungry or not, because they might not get another one for like months. So that was a good point to make. I say, I'm going to do a whole episode on incorporating intuitive eating with kids because it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little different because obviously they're kids. But I just think it's really important and something I'm super passionate about just because I spend so much of my time nannying. But <laughs> Yes. I know. Reagan, I can't wait for that episode. Reagan's going to go off, <laughs> but in a great way. Yes. <laughs> Already moving on. So we're not stuck here for forever. <laughs> Next is challenge the food police. All right. I don't know if you can think of it before, but when you first heard this one, what did you think? What did challenging the food police mean to you? Okay, so when I first heard this principle, I think my brain goes to the food police is going to tell me not to eat, insert certain food, like a brownie or a cookie. So I'm going to eat it just to spite them. That's did, what... you, did you think of like someone in your life who was a oh, food police 100%. or did you think of like you yourself as the food police? I thought of someone else. That's exactly me too. I thought of somebody else. And I think a lot of people do. But this Mm -hmm. principle isn't about the other people in your life. It's actually about the food police, your little, I always like to think of it as the angel and the devil on your shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. Like the food police is like the devil pretending to be the angel being like, do you need another slice of pizza? Even though the angel on the other side is like, yes, you're hungry. You didn't eat enough today. Please eat. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's all. That's such a good point because I feel like this is so commonly, you know. Yes. Yeah. Like misconstrued because when I first heard this, I was, I literally thought of all the people in my life who told me how to eat. And it, it is kind of like that, but it's Mm -hmm. all the voices in your head more so than the voices outside. Yes. So challenging the food police is basically taking the angel outfit off of the little devil and be like, I know you're the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. The next one is feel your fullness. This one, a lot of times is combined with honor your hunger. You do Mm kind of need both of them, but feeling your fullness has a lot to do with distraction and slowing down. And let's be honest, 
There's always going to be times we're going to eat distracted. If you're at the movie theater with popcorn, you're not looking at the popcorn, right? <laughs> and it's going to happen. And that's totally normal. It's very common in our society. But it's the distractions to your detriment that is problematic. So when you're so distracted after work every single day, you have open up another bag of chips and you eat the entire bag of chips because you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And then you're still hungry, right? Because you weren't paying attention to your food. So you weren't satisfied by the food and you weren't paying attention to your hunger and fullness cues or even your comfort or discomfort levels because you weren't paying attention. And again, I want to reiterate this. That is okay sometimes. Yes. Mental health is just as important as physical health. And in some days, if you need the bag of chips, eat the damn bag of chips, okay? Yes. Yeah. But it's more just like the creating habits out of it and not paying attention to how distractions are impacting your eating. And this is, again, a great one for kids, too, because a lot of parents are handing their kids movies to watch or their phones or whatever while they're eating to keep them distracted however then those kids are also not learning the habits of feeling their fullness exactly and then slowing down that's the issue i had i grew up with nurses eating mm -hmm. fast was like a requirement you were the game. <laughs> yeah like who can eat the fastest and get it down the fastest and again common sense right i feel like i don't need to say that that's not a great habit to have but it's going to happen, especially if you work in an environment where you get 30 minutes to eat. Mm -hmm. Like when I worked at Starbucks, I only had 30 minutes for lunch. That's 10 minutes to get your food ready, 10 minutes to eat, and then 10 minutes to relax. Right. You're probably going to rush through that food so you get 15 minutes to relax instead of just 10. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. But it's more just like the sum of all parts rather than like focusing on the individual parts, right? It's when you have a chance to slow down, can you slow down and eat? When you have a chance to not be distracted, maybe take the time to not be distracted to eat. This one is very nuanced and it changes per person and it changes daily, but it's more just like learning how to like actually just take five seconds to be like, am I enjoying my food? Is my food making me full? And if I'm full, do I need to eat anymore? This one's great for also people who grew up in the clean plate club family. Yep. I grew up in a clean plate club family. Like yeah. eat as fast as you can and eat everything on your plate. And Americans' plates are ungodly. <laughs> people come to our country and they're like, this is enough to feed me for like days. And you get yeah. it in one serving. <laughs> oh so you don't have to clean your plate. I'm just going to give you permission now. You don't have to clean your plate. You eat until you're full, and it's okay if you don't eat the food. And mm -hmm. you don't have to save the food either. We have a lot of fear-mongering about food waste in our country, and we do have a lot of food waste. However, you as an individual are not the issue with the food waste. It's right. the giant corporations who throw out a bunch of food all the time because it doesn't quote-unquote meet expectations yeah your your four bites of lasagna is not it's you can throw it away it's okay <laughs> exactly if you want and, to save it for later totally cool too right exactly like save your food but you don't have to we got this a lot as kids oh the starving kids in africa are looking down at you being like oh you should have cleaned it like there's so much fear-mongering about finishing your food exactly and that's not 
listening to your body. It's an external cue. It's externally. It's to not listen to your body. Like your body's going to associate your empty plate with fullness, not your full. Oh, you know? good point. That's a great point. Right. Like you're not going to feel full until you finish all your food if that's what you've trained yourself to do. Ah. No matter how much is on your plate, you know? Mm. I had a nugget of wisdom from moment of the day. Oh, that was great. I didn't, I had never thought of it that way, but that's totally true. You will, like, you'll think of your empty plate as your fullness cue instead of mm -hmm. actually just listening to your body for fullness. Mm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> drop, we're done. <laughs> All right. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Next one. This one's really closely related to feeling your fullness. Discover your satisfaction factor. I, uh, this one, I don't know why I had such a hard time with this. Like, obviously, you want your food to be satisfying, right? Mm -hmm. but the satisfaction factor actually has to do with your first bite of food does not taste the same as your 10th bite and your 20th bite. So discovering your satisfaction factor is eating until the food is no longer satisfying. What do I mean by this? It's like that first bite of nachos. I don't know why nachos always comes to mind. It just <laughs> does for me. That first bite of nachos is magical, right? You got the cheese, you got the chip, you got your toppings. It's like yeah. <laughs> heaven yeah. in your mouth. Yes. But then, you know, you get like 10 in and you're like, oof, I'm feeling full. And it doesn't taste like if you pay attention, it doesn't taste the same as that first bite. Mm -hmm. And so the satisfaction factor is just eating until you're satisfied and eating to your full and eating until the food maybe no longer tastes like that first bite. Yeah. And this takes a lot of concentration on your food. This is not something you're going to do all the time. If you're at a party, you're not probably paying attention to your satisfaction factor. You're probably just partying and having fun, which is yeah. allowed. <laughs> yeah. But this is more just like everyday eating like say you get your lunch you and you're hungry so you take that first bite and you're like oh thank god I really needed food then you get like 10 bites in and you're like oh, I'm less interested in the food and then you get you know to the point where you're feeling full and you're like yeah I probably don't need to eat anymore <laughs> I think it's one of the one of those principles that you really need to learn how to give yourself permission to have all foods at any time because I think of, I don't know why when you're like talking about it, I thought of cheesecake. I don't know. Cause it, maybe it's cause it's so rich. How I'm like, when you first start, it's so good. And then you get to the end, you're like, this is just like, it's too much. <laughs> but like, if you hardly ever let yourself have dessert, you're going to finish the cheesecake, whether, like, whether you want to or not, you know? Right. Cause you have the, you have the idea in the back of your head. It's FOMO. It's yeah. I may never get this again. Or right. your subconscious brain is like, we don't need dessert a lot. So when we have it, we got to eat it. Mm -hmm. Or we don't eat nachos a lot. So when we have it, we got to eat it. And then we yeah. always eat when, and then we're stuffed. Everyone knows that feeling. Yes. It's like, you're, you're so full. You're like, man, I probably, <laughs> probably should have stopped 10 bites ago, but it's, uh, I'm going to go put sweatpants on feeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which again, is totally fine for certain occasions. Yes. Like Thanksgiving is a great example. We just passed Thanksgiving. You're going to overeat. And that's absolutely yeah. okay. <laughs> and you may not be paying attention to your satisfaction factor because you're sitting around the table with your family and friends and you're eating and you're just enjoying the company. Mm -hmm. So also your food should be good. I think I should also mention this with this one. Yeah. 
a lot of people will choose the food that they perceive as quote unquote healthy. So it's the burger salad conundrum, right? Mm -hmm. I really want the burger, but I know the salad is going to be more nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. And so satisfaction, discovering your satisfaction factor is eating the burger, but maybe you only eat half the burger. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you get a burger with a side salad. Then you have both best of both worlds and you only eat each until you don't want to eat them anymore. Right. Instead of making the burger a special occasion and then stuffing yourself on the burger because you're like, I don't know when I'm going to do this again because normally I eat salad for lunch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important too to learn how to make your food more satisfying. Like when I was doing the high carb, low fat vegan thing, like I would never use oil ever in my cooking. And it's like, now I'm like, I can't imagine like roasting vegetables without oil on them. Like, I don't know how I would eat those. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is why I had to eat so much of them because it's like, it's not satisfying, but like, you know. Definitely. And we'll go more into this with fat. You need fat for this satisfaction factor. Yes. You cannot remove fat from your diet because it does exactly this principle. Mm -hmm. You need fat. First of all, fat equals flavor. I'm probably going to say it. That's going to, it's going to be a t shirt. Okay. I'm going to, oh my gosh, I buy that t shirt. (laughs) Fat equals flavor. You got to have it in your food. But also, fat, when we're digesting it in our digestion, and we're going to talk more about this, but just as a little side note, (laughs) side note, (laughs) fat, triggers in your digestive system to to slow down the hor- the hunger hormone it tells your body to slow it down because you're getting that macronutrient in your body and so it'll tell your body we're getting full if you don't have that in your macronutrients your body is not going to regulate its hunger hormones properly you also need fat for all your hormones but it's beside the digress <laughs> all right moving on the next is cope Uh, with your feelings without using food. This one is all about self-care. I feel like especially people who grew up in restrictive households, like their parents restricted certain foods, they tend to, as adults, use food as a coping mechanism because it brings comfort. Because special food brings comfort. It brings joy. It brings uh, dopamine because you're eating something that was maybe forbidden or maybe wasn't allowed in your house or you were restricted from. Well, again, I want to say this is also okay. (laughs) If you just broke up with your boyfriend and you eat a tub of ice cream, that's okay. That's like a very reasonable emotional response. This again is more when you're doing it consistently. You come home every single day, super stressed out from your job and you eat all the junk food in the house because that's the only way you can calm your nervous system down is that's how you've trained your nervous system to calm down is by eating comfort food and that's where it can get problematic that's where it's better to start learning other techniques and uh, self-care is such a such a hype word now everyone likes to use self-care like treat yourself take a bath get a massage get your nails done But self-care at its base is nervous system regulation. It's teaching your body to calm down when you're in a state of fight or flight and doing that without utilizing food. And my personal favorite is breath work. This is proven time and time again by science to actually move your body from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And what that means is it basically puts your body from fight or flight 
down into rest and digest. And breathing is so powerful. Just mm -hmm. learning to like notice when you're feeling anxious or notice when you're feeling any really, really strong, big emotion. I like to call them big emotions because they yeah. are, they feel really big in your body. They almost feel like they don't fit in your body sometimes. And sometimes breathing is that release valve that you need. So say you came home and you already started the binge. You were like, that was a shitty day at work. <laughs> I hate everyone. All I want is the damn nachos. I'm just going to yeah. focus on nachos for some reason. <laughs> That's what's maybe I need to eat some nachos. Right. <laughs> Subliminal messaging. Everyone yeah. messaging. <laughs> but I need those freaking nachos. And maybe you're already knee deep into the nachos you're eating. It's all about taking a moment to like maybe in between a bite, taking five seconds and actually taking a giant deep breath. Like I call it belly breathing. Like get it all the way down into your pelvis. Just and hold it and and then just actually like thinking about your emotions and feeling them not suppressing them because a lot of eating coping with your feelings using food is suppressing your emotions you're trying to like escape from them mm -hmm. and that's not how emotions work <laughs> yeah. you have to feel your feelings in order for the feelings to go away or else they just kind of sit there all the time and so when we talk about self-care in this one it's really learning to feel your feelings use your breath use different ways of calming your nervous system down and there's plenty you can google that just yeah. <laughs> finding ways to calm your nervous system down you'll find thousands of things breath work is just something that i personally right. promote <laughs> yeah literally standing outside that's sunlight right yeah just like going outside with my dog throwing his toy it just calms you down yes it's just finding other ways that was a good point. Thank you for mentioning that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Moving on. Respect your body. This one's hard. I'd work on this every single day. I have a really hard time with this. But I think this one should also say respect other people's bodies. Because yeah. I think that's almost the first step. Very true. Especially as women, we bond over talking shit about our bodies or talking yes. shit about other people's bodies. It's just like so normalized in our culture to be like, oh, I've gained five pounds. I really need to go back to dieting or like, oh, I just look terrible today. Like, I hate the way I look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or it's just so normalized in our culture. And I think the first step to this one, at least it was for me, was to start noticing the comments that I make about other people, even if it's in my head, the comments I make in my head mm -hmm. and noticing how that's impacting how I feel about my own body. Yeah. And if you can't respect somebody else's body, you're never going to be able to respect your body mm -mm. because you're constantly going to have those negative thoughts in the back of your head that you're trying to avoid other people saying about you. This took me a long time to figure out. A lot of the negative talk I had in my head about other people was really just like negative talk that I have about myself. Like I always say this, I'm a bigger person. I'm a freaking Viking. <laughs> I'm athletically built. I'm a big person. So whenever I saw another, you know, tall woman who was not willowy and skinny, my internal dialogue was always like, oh, they're not doing great for themselves or, oh, they're not healthy or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you want to come up with. <laughs> yeah. And I finally realized like, I'm just talking shit about myself. <laughs> yeah. And if you're talking shit about yourself, how are you ever going to do all these other principles, right? How are you going to, like, make the right choices for yourself when you're constantly like, I don't 
like my body. I don't like the way I look. You're not going to change your genetics. It's not even like learning to love your body. I hate that concept that they're always throwing, like, love your body, love yourself. The the toxic positive body positivity I hate because you might not. Like, you might not love your body, but that doesn't change the fact that it still does everything you need it to do. Right. It's more so respecting it. Right. Your heart beats every single day of your life for the rest of your life. You just take a moment to, like, think about that. It doesn't stop. It never stops. Unless you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> that thing's going. That's a muscle. That's mm-hmm. a, an actual muscle that is just going all the time. Your digestive system is constantly working to make sure you have everything you need. All the time. It never stops. And if you can't, like, respect those things, then you're going to have a really hard time making choices that are intuitive and making choices that are positive and good for your personal body right yeah this one's hard i have body dysmorphia so this is a daily struggle especially like when i'm pmsing like the days before (laughs) pmsing i'm like i can't can't look at myself in the mirror sometimes and that's okay yeah sometimes you just have to like take a break from the mirror i do it too like i i think a big thing for me for this principle that i work on is I, I don't know why, but I have this thing where if like someone gives me a compliment, I feel like I need to refute it. For example, if someone's like, oh my gosh, your skin looks so good. Like I have to be like, oh my gosh, no, I'm so tired. It's so bad right now. Like, so I try my best these days to just like accept the compliment. Just be like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, you don't, ha- you don't have to like negate compliments. I don't know why I do that. Yeah, that's that's a totally another thing that we're that's normalized in our society mm-hmm. for women is we almost like have to tear ourselves down. Yeah. Like somebody gives us a compliment and you're like, oh no, I look so bad today. Like right. just say thank you. But it's so hard, right? Yeah. Like it's so hard to just say thank you. Because yeah. I think a lot of times also in our society, we're told as women that if you are feeling yourself that you're full of yourself and you're overly confident and it doesn't look good you can't you can't be overly confident you have to be humble it's like if you're not humble then you're obviously like a self-centered right mean person be be humble and confident at the same time right it is possible it is it's (laughs) challenging in our society but it is if you just practice like Reagan said if you just start practicing whenever someone compliments you just saying oh thank you nothing else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be really hard but just a thank you works yeah. harder than you think <laughs> yeah, it really is that's a really good point to make though we could go into a whole thing about the patriarchy teaching us to hate ourselves <laughs> so we're not functioning at full capacity as women <laughs> oh my gosh but once again, I will digress. <laughs> Alrighty, on to the last two. Reagan's favorite. Yay! <laughs> now let me let me start here. It says movement, not exercise. Yes. Not working out. Movement. Mm-hmm. Because movement is not working out. Our bodies are meant to move in so many different ways, and a lot of in America, a lot of our jobs are sitting. And yep. we're working on this. Like you, I think we all can see in culture, like we're really trying to normalize walking. We're normalizing the treadmills that you walk on while you're working. Mm-hmm. And that's 
becoming a little more normalized, but it's really challenging to do because everything we do is on computers. It's on sitting down and like doing stuff, but sitting is killing us. (laughs) Sitting is the new smoking, as they say. Yes, exactly. They say it's the fourth leading cause of death in the US and it's because our bodies aren't meant to do that. Our bodies are supposed to move around. You're supposed to be bending down. You're supposed to be picking things up. You're supposed to be twisting. There's all sorts of planes of movement, but movement also is an exercise. Now, if you love exercise, also awesome. Like Reagan's a bodybuilder. The gym is her safe space. Like she loves working out and that's awesome. Honestly, it's funny how you mentioned like we were made to be doing like, I mean, if you look like back in the day when it was hard manual labor basically to survive, but if you look at the stuff I do in the gym, what like deadlifting, squatting i am doing those movements it's just we don't have to do those in our daily lives anymore right you know so it's really just about like finding ways to move in your life and what does this look like if it's not exercise it's gardening cooking have you cooked a meal before i get sweaty as hell in your house holy cow yes cleaning your house those are movement and those count i feel like diet culture really likes to say oh those are just normal things they don't count so there's no like desire to do them if you're like it doesn't do anything for me except of course like the products that you get out of it but it that's not true your body just moving in general is really important and it's what keeps our bodies going our bodies are like machines if we don't continue to move them they will get rusty I've never needed movement more than when I only did it solely to burn calories. Exactly. If you want to like not have motivation to work out, do it because you want to burn calories. Like, right. And this is a great point to make. I, I spoke about this in the first episode. If you cannot separate working out from diet mentality, if you can't separate working out from burning calories or working out because you want your body to do something that it's not doing. If you're working out as a punishment to your body not looking the way you want it to, it might be a good idea to stop for a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a huge supporter. Like, I know that sounds super almost controversial because everyone's trying to push, go to the gym, exercise, like it's good for your health, your cardiovascular health. But I argue, how can you just add movement into your day without it being a workout? You're not arguing stop moving. You're arguing stop the rigid, hardcore exercise if you're not doing it for the right reasons. It's not bringing you joy. You're not leaving your workout class feeling happy. Right. If, like, every day you're struggling. And if your body hurts every day, your body's not supposed to hurt every day, guys. Like, a lot of people who work out are like, if you're not sore, you're not building muscle. But it's like, oh also, gosh. do you need to be building muscle? Like, no. working out, like, bodybuilding and stuff is for an aesthetic. That's an mm-hmm. aesthetic, like, motivator. And if you want to, absolutely. If you're trying to, like, push yourself to be stronger, if you're trying to push yourself to, like, do something you've never done, Awesome. Fantastic. But if you're doing it every day just because you're mad at your body for not looking the way it's supposed to, that might not be the best choice. Movement should be joyful. Like Reagan said, Mm -hmm. you should enjoy yourself moving. And if you're not enjoying yourself and if you're feeling like shit every day because you're working out, you don't need to. Just find ways to move in your day. Cook a meal once a week. (laughs) Yeah. Clean like Take the time to put your music in and just go around and clean your house. 
I guarantee you're going to get sweaty. Not oh, that yeah. sweat, is, sweat also is not the goal. You don't need no. to sweat for movement to be movement. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest one. This is joyful movement. Yeah. You want to move in a way that feels good for you. And if just doing stuff around the house is the movement that feels good for you, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw this um, post on Instagram the other day. This is kind of, it sums up my views toward exercise and movement um excuse the language but training for my summer body fuck no i'm training for my old lady body dense bones strong muscles a healthy heart good balance functional independence and i think that is like the goal of movement right there is to just be able to move and enjoy your entire life until one day you just don't wake up anymore because that's old age you know right yeah oh oof that's a good one mm -hmm. Re repost. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because function, I think that's the uh, that's how I kind of shifted it in my head these days too. Is like functionality mm -hmm. because I did. I took three months off of, of all working out. I didn't do any working out, and I discovered that I don't do well with that either. Like I need movement in my life because then I start hurting in a way that's not great. Like my yeah. joints start hurting really bad, and then I can't move well mm -hmm. and that that's never the goal right you want to be moving as long as possible at least i hope so yeah yeah <laughs> i hope that's your goal in life yes i going back to the you don't feel well if you're not working out like working out is such a mental thing for me my husband like if i i work a lot if i get super busy and i haven't made it to the gym and I'm just going off and unloading on my husband he's like hey have you gone to the gym yet and i'm like no he's like i can tell it's just like I it's like you're not you when you're hungry. I'm not me if I haven't lifted some heavy shit that day. Like I just it needs yes. to happen, you know? Yes, yeah. And that's a whole nother thing for your mental health. I think a lot of I feel like a lot of people who are bodybuilders, a lot of them talk about this and it's a great point to make. Like our bodies are meant to move, not just physically, but also mentally. And if you're only moving your brain mentally all day long without moving your body, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going yeah. to feel anxiety. You're going to get all of these big feelings because there's no separation. The mind and body are not separated. They're together all the time. And if you're ignoring one of them, the other one's going to be mad at you. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, good point. Mental health. It's just as important as physical health. Yeah. <laughs> Artie, we're finally at the last one. And we did it. <laughs> we did it. I'm I am going to reiterate this again and again. This needs to be last. It has yep. to be last. Yes. Because this will turn into a diet if you start with nutrition. Mm -hmm. And they call it gentle nutrition for a reason because it's not aggressive. It's yep. not based in calories. It's not based in macronutrients. It's not based in anything other than the logical thing that we know is healthy, right? Everyone ask, literally ask a child on the street. What is healthy eating? What are they going to say? Vegetables. <laughs> Probably. Vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Eat your vegetables. Eat your fruit. Now, that's not the only thing that is healthy, obviously. Mm -hmm. You need the whole spectrum of food, but you also need to enjoy your food. So gentle nutrition is not just eating your fruits and vegetables and getting your fiber and making sure you have carbs, fat, and protein in your diet. It's also, am I enjoying my food? Is my food bringing me joy? How does my food feel in my body? 
And is this food giving me the building blocks that I need to continue to function for the rest of my life for longevity's sake? Mm-hmm. And so obviously eating a bag of Cheetos every day, think about what's in Cheetos. Your body is going to use those. Like our body doesn't not use things that we put in it. I feel right. like this is something people don't understand. Our bodies aren't checking <laughs> is this healthy? Is this unhealthy? No, it's going to look at that Cheeto and be like, great, we got carbs, we got energy, we got fats, something to help us with our hormones. And it's going to utilize all those little things in that Cheeto to to the best of its ability. And it's going to break it down and use it. However, what else does Cheetos have? It also has chemicals that can impact our digestion. Mm -hmm. It also has trans fats. Some of them do. I think they've They've engineered it to where it doesn't technically have trans fats, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's it's, the quality of fuel, you know? Yeah. It's the quality of fuel. And that's not to say you can't have Cheetos Mm -hmm. because it's, again, I love this phrase. It's the sum of all parts, not the parts equaling the sum. You don't have to focus so densely on the parts. It's just overall, are you eating in a way that is going to give your body the fuel that it needs? Are you giving your body the building blocks that it needs? But also, are you giving yourself the mental health building blocks that you need? Do you need to eat ice cream because you're just feeling like you need something sweet? Go for it. Yeah. But also, when you start intuitive eating, and I think Reagan mentioned this at one point, when you start intuitive eating, you also start craving things that are not restricted from you. Like, Right now, a lot of people's cravings, if you're stuck in diet mentality, your cravings are probably salty or sweet, and mm-hmm. they're usually processed. And that's okay. Yeah. Those are just things that we tend to restrict in our society. However, when you stop restricting and you let yourself eat whatever the fuck you want, sorry, mm-hmm. pardon my French. <laughs> when you let yourself eat whatever you want, you start to notice you start craving things like vegetables. like, yeah. And you start to notice you crave them at certain times of the year. Like cucumbers for me, I only eat cucumbers in the spring and summer. That's the only mm-hmm. time my body like craves cucumbers. But yeah. in the winter, I'm not really feeling cucumbers or tomatoes for that ex- for that same example. But you know what I am craving in this in the winter? Potatoes. <laughs> like squash. God bless potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you you make a good point. Once you stop demonizing certain foods, like you realize you you crave what your body needs. Like I remember being on vacation as a family and, and naturally you just eat out mostly. And I remember like telling my mom, like, mom, I just want a plate of broccoli, even little me, because like my family was very good about keeping diet culture out. Like I knew how different foods made my body feel. And so I knew I'm like, I just need some, some vegetable in my life, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Like your body will start to attune to like actually what I want because our bodies are actually really good about being like, hey, I don't think we've had enough protein. So you're going to start noticing it in certain parts of your body. Like mm-hmm. maybe your muscles are feeling sore or your joints are feeling sore or maybe you're feeling a little extra bloated. And those are all signals that your body is not. It wants something that you haven't been giving it yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's our bodies are so cool like I've been fascinated with the human body my whole life but it never ceases to amaze me all the systems we have that keep us alive it's keeping Mm -hmm. us alive all the time (laughs) yeah honestly and I think 
I think gentle nutrition is a really powerful tool when you're ready to use it. Always going back to my weightlifting, but I use gentle nutrition and intentionally incorporate higher protein options into my day of eating because I know I I know I'm going to need that. I know I'm going to my body is going to be craving that when I'm demanding of it to lift all these things. So it's it can really just, you know, like I said, it's a powerful tool, but you have to be ready to use it. Right. It's that rational thinking that mm-hmm. a lot of times I love the I love the phrase common sense isn't so common because mm-hmm. while we all know what healthy food is, our subconscious is doing stuff in the background all the time that is counteracting what we logically know. Mm-hmm. And so we still have to intuitive eating is not just willy-nilly eating whatever the hell you want. It's also remembering that you have this logic. You have a brain that like holds information like how eating how like you should eat in a way that is good for longevity because that's the goal right like we're not it's not health i i hate when people use health as an excuse for things because it's not health that we're going for it's longevity Mm -hmm. it's how long can i keep my body going it's not i'm eating this to be healthy tomorrow or next week or next month because that's not really a motivator right and when you're striving for perfection, yeah, you might like live a long time, but are you going to enjoy living? Right. You know? Yeah. My grandparents were a great example of this. They both super healthy. I talked about my grandma a little in the first episode where they spent most of their money on like good food and they both passed away in their seventies from cardiac events. I'm just going to say yeah. that. <laughs> and it's not because they didn't eat unhealthy. That's what they're always fear mongering. Oh, mm-hmm. your cardiac or your cardiovascular health. Oh, if you eat something, it's going to ruin your cardiovascular health. No, if you're overly focused on healthful foods and if you're overly stressed out, if you're stressed, it's stress that's going to kill you. It's yeah. not food. I mean, food can have an impact of course but stress is a huge killer and if you're stressed about everything you put in your mouth and you're putting all that mental load into your brain all the time you're going to put pressure on your cardiovascular system even if you're eating perfect Mm quote-unquote perfect and side note um if you're eating things and you're super stressed you're not going to digest them very well Mm. so that's a whole other can of worms which i feel like we should not open because we'll just go off for another 20 minutes but it's a good point though stress Stress impacts everything yes everything if you don't know how to regulate your nervous system you're going to struggle with health Mm -hmm. no matter what all righty so this just brings me to i just wanted to touch on this a little because a lot of people see the name of my business and they're like what the hell does that mean so My business name is Intuitive Dieta, and I came up with this concept really early in my grad school education. I heard about intuitive eating, and then we started talking about the history of eating, and dieta is one of the very first words that mean lifestyle, regime, dieta. It's a Latin word. And so I was just like really fascinated by that concept because a lot of people will use dieta as a replacement for diet. But it's not diet, it's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so the whole concept for my business was intuitive living. Like the whole goal is to live as attuned with your body as possible. And that's what I strive to do every day. That's what I'm trying to teach people because we don't in our society. We don't live 
intuitive. We, we let so many other things dictate how we're feeling, what we should eat, what we should wear, what we should look like. We have so many external cues all the time telling us these things that a lot of times people are making decisions from a place that is not their own mental space. They're making decisions based off of all these other external things. And not enough people are sitting down with themselves and being with themselves and learning about their bodies, about their minds, about their nervous system regulation. And so that's why we see so many issues in society these days, at least in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I feel like the reason we see people shooting up places or we see people like losing their shit on the road or people who are acting really like illogically is because a lot of these people have never taken the time to just sit down and like actually feel their feelings and 100%. think about where they're where they're coming up with these ideas all of the thoughts we have in our head come from somewhere we didn't just like they didn't just pop out of nowhere we come up with these things based off of everything we've learned before and if you don't understand how you're making decisions then you're going to really struggle making decisions that are good for you you not everyone else you <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm super passionate about it. I'm taking intuitive eating and I want to turn it into like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I, abs I absolutely love that. And I, <laughs> it's so needed in today's society, like you said. Yeah, it's not just about food. It's not mm -hmm. just about physical health. It's not even just about mental health. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to make it about one thing, but it's not. Right. It's all of these things combined. It's your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health and it's if you're not you. focusing on all of those things are you really going to reach that longevity are you really going to have quality of life it's quality of life right you don't mm -hmm. want every day to be bad you said mm -hmm. this in the first episode reagan one of your cycle instructors said nobody wakes up in the morning to have a mediocre day yeah right? we don't want to have a mediocre day every day so why are we making choices that are not giving us a good day? Why are we making choices that are giving us a mediocre life when reality is it's all it's all your choice. It's all your decision. Of course, there's always going to be circumstances yeah. that you cannot control, but you can control your decisions. You can control what you do with your life. You can control what you say. You can control what you think. And if you don't take the time to learn how to do those things, you're going to live as an external responder to everything around you and is that quality of life is that longevity i don't think so no <laughs> this was great this was great thank you for facilitating this episode I yes. enjoyed it immensely i'm so glad i hope everyone learned a little bit about intuitive eating if you learned anything mindfulness just be mindful mm -hmm. that's it that's all you need but i hope this episode wasn't too long and no. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This is obviously something I'm extraordinarily passionate about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's that's all we have for this episode. <laughs> We're the worst about ending episodes because we want to keep talking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, everyone. And I hope you enjoyed. As always, question and comments, leave them down below. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. 
Hey guys, it's Olivia here. If you enjoyed this episode and wanted to know more about intuitive eating or intuitive dieta, I am launching a program called Intuitive Dieta Academy at the end of January. This 12-week program goes over everything from intuitive eating to intuitive movement to mental health. It's got just about everything. And if you sign up for the waitlist before January 20th, you get 30% off. So... If you're interested, go check it out, and I can't wait to see you guys there. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Real Nutrition Talk with Reagan and I. If you love this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, tagged us in a story, or just left a comment or question on what you enjoyed and what you want more of. You can also follow us on Instagram with the links below in the show notes. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.